beginning of Act 1. So we started last time, um, in those two days we would stay in the palace, so Annie had gone out and met with Lady Celeria, and you two had kind of bummed around, and then we got back, and oh. yeah, that's when, was it the first night or the second night that the king was yelling at Thormir? Second night. Second night, that's what mm-hmm. I thought. Because then the next day we did go out shopping. Mm-hmm. Got some cool stuff, some scrolls, some whatnots. Potions. Yeah. Potions. Potions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then mm-hmm. when we got back, that's when we saw him go ham on the patriarch, who was pretending to be a feeble old man, but really wasn't. You know, mm-hmm. it was pretty clear after he wouldn't submit. He knew what was going on. Yeah, and it took the three paladins and the king to get him to submit to the circle of truth. And um, that's when he was like, yeah, fuck you. And the dude got dragged off. Bring on the rats. Yeah, mm-hmm. bring on the rats. Bring on the rats. And the queen was like, <laughs> I don't believe I said that, but that is headcanon for all three of you. Apparently. I think everybody in that throne room was like, <laughs> I like, I like a man that can verbally abuse me. <laughs> if you do it right, <laughs> you take away my you take away my will to resist, especially magically or otherwise. It helps. Don't think shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it sounds like a good time. All new kinks exist in the world of magic. <laughs> oh no. Good. Um, <laughs> good, because the old the old ones are boring. <laughs> Go ahead, sorry. Oh. Um, then we spent the night. And we left the next day. We pooped, pooped, because mm-hmm. we've been talking about how you would get to the orcs, and it was best if you went with us. And then yeah, we had a lot of preparing to do, a lot of errands to run. We got a lot of stuff done, mm-hmm. checked a yeah. lot of things off our lists. Yes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then essentially we did. Got there. Teleport to the elf capital, which mm-hmm. is called Shakerna. Shakerda. Shakerda. With that intention. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, we were with Elspeth and Eklund, and they had gifts, and it took like an hour and a half to get through one hallway. We were kindly <laughs> greeted, though. Yeah, we were very kindly greeted. We met in a place, and we're thrown in the dungeon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Give that, you get a gift. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the main guy who's over there. Questual. Mm-hmm. Yep, and his wife, his mm-hmm. lady. Your own? Yep, and... They, after we were led through there, we were led up to the chambers where we are staying, which was through a greenhouse. And that's where we met up with Lady Illustrial at first. And she said, hi, she doesn't have her Raven Queen powers back um, because I've handed over the letter. And that's when they were like, oh, go get her. Mm-hmm. And then after some waiting, we... Apparently none of them have the yeah. Raven Queen powers anymore. Yeah. Just you. Just you. Lucky you. Always be like. So, well, I'm not level 8 anymore, so. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we went. Then we went to the Coliseum type thing where everyone was sitting in the council. And that's when we started chatting. By chatting, I mean Elspeth said her piece, and then I stepped forward to talk, and there was rabble, 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 and I was like, my players. <laughs> <laughs> Death. Death upon your people. You took a different approach, one that Earth appreciated. Yes. Very direct. As trying to be very rational, like, hey, you don't think it's, you know, infecting you, but it is already. And then the voice of the, um... Grand Swan? 
Of the what? What are you talking about? With the veil, yeah, the gown. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, spoke, and then your instructor came in mm-hmm. and was like, if you love Norman, you must come with us. He has cancer and he is dying. Well, not the it's second canonical. part, but pretty oh. much. <laughs> I was like, wait, I didn't hear that part. <laughs> no, pretty much that we're going to the hidden capital. Mm-hmm. Um, Shemorda? Yes. Shemorda. One more time. To talk, and it has to do with you, I would assume, what since you're instructed. No, but he said it's time and I have been clutched for a week. Boy, <laughs> he's the poop. He needs, to, he needs to hear this news. So we're leaving the council behind mm-hmm. in their rabble, rabble, rabble and questions. Um, all of which Elspeth was like, we're not going to give it to you now. Come to our meeting. Come on. That's Face agreement. That. And they're like, you are being imprudent. I don't know why I'm giving all of them that voice. But I am. It's elves. 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 And yeah, so now pretty much the whole elven world knows there are mind players, but to clear it up, I didn't ever mention, like, yeah, infiltrators, so. You did a good job of giving them a buzzword without giving them information. Yeah. Yeah. Let's put it that way. I mean, mind flare is a very broad category. I mean, and Al Poon is undead at that. They don't know any of that. Well, honestly, we could tell them, like, yeah, there was one messing around a little town called Woodbridge in the Runewald, and mm-hmm. we took care of it. Yeah. But it yeah. had allies. You know, yeah. like, that could be all, all we give them. So, like, yeah. you did a good job of not spilling the beans, but getting you, your attention. You specifically invoked the oh, name yeah. of a certain figure, um, Pyrosong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. that too? That got rattled what, around. What, that was... We believe the Mindflayers are connected to the man who killed Pyrosong. And that led to some... Rabble, rabble. They brought up there. hobgoblins, I believe, or something like that. There was talk of hobgoblins somewhere. May have been. I think yeah, something like, mm-hmm. something along the lines of like, why should we be concerned about what's happening happening in the east? Hobgoblins have no interest in these areas, and you're like, well, we're pretty sure the dude yeah. in charge of them and my flares is the one that killed killed Fire Song, mm-hmm. which brought up a lot of rabble, rabble. Mm-hmm. Yep. As you said, these elves just rude. <laughs> they they definitely were like, well, press us or, or will give us more information. Like you're you're, you're, you're holding <clears throat> back information. Like, are you saying that you have the knowledge and the whereabouts of a figure that killed one of our own and many of our own and won't divulge them? And Elspeth had to step forward and be like, yes, that's pretty much exactly it. I'm sure you all have information that would be great import to Sinea, to the West as a whole, and you're holding it back too. Hence why this is an invitation. Very good. And we were being swept away, and that's that's where we left off. Yes, yeah. To the uh, sanctum. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just as a point of order, it was the Fairness Warner that actually called in the Seeker, basically. Which was also True. kind of surprising, at least in Norway. Like it's like a witness. No, well, basically just like, and you, and then brought brought Moonseeker in. Yeah. Like I'm, we have taken Norway to Shady Morda. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, anyway, it just that seemed weird to me. What if, what if, because we never saw behind the veil, could have been Patty, Morningstar. Patty. <laughs> Morningstar. Oh, okay. Chicken patties. Chicken patties. <laughs> All right. I don't think she's that young. <laughs> 
right. like the vegetarian food. Yeah, I get it now. I get it now. Right. Oh, I get it. Sure. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Four of them. <laughs> yes. Moonseeker arrives and says, your words are good. You might be, be, you might be, be falling uh, on deaf ears for now. At this moment, there's something more important than we must do. The Undying Court is waiting for you in the hidden capital. Come. You as well. And you, please. And I believe we left off last time with me even beating the hook big time saying, if you care about Norman, come. Elspeth looks cons- concerned. Norman asked if I don't. Quite sour. Mm-hmm. Confused about this as the rabble, rabble of the castle Karn increases in intensity. One quite aged elf stands and pounds his staff on the stone floor to call attention. The first one has spoken the desires of the Undying Court, but we have much yet to discuss. Moonseeker turns to address the council as a whole. The princess and her attendants will remain to indulge your questions and continue this meeting. The voice of the crown will, will return tomorrow, if not sooner, to continue as well. The Undying Court begs the forgiveness of the esteemed Kerslakarn, but other needs must be met. In this moment where she's facing away, Eklund comes up behind you, puts a hand on your shoulder, and whispers, in, in your ear. Very, very few meet the Undying Court, even within Alfheim. It is completely unheard of for a human from another realm to do so. This is odd. Be careful. You see his hands move in an arcane way. There's almost a spark that jolts through your shoulder, mm-hmm. focusing on your eyes, and you blink. And you have true sight. The moment you blink or open your eyes, you can see probably 12 or so figures here wearing illusions of some sort, glamours or otherwise. You can see a pale veil sort of around things. You can see mist-like fog and trails of it of the ethereal plane itself and small creatures that just flip through them. It's a very odd sensation. You can, if you strain your eye, you can almost see the weave of magic itself. Not quite, just just beyond the reach of your sight, but it's a very disorienting thing. He squeezes your shoulders and says, go with eyes unclouded. Remember, we can't trust anyone. This seems too much of a coincidence that Anaxoria decides to reveal the threat of the flares. And then moments later, you're being ferried to the hidden capital. back and says, let's go, and turns to walk out the way that she came. Mm-hmm. Elspeth sort of like, wait, and Eklund is going, it's fine, take over for here, I think, as he turns to watch. 
The other elves watch you go, and as the doors close, the rabble increases in some ways. This is unheard of. Wait, are they bringing a human, a dwarf, and a tiefling to the hidden capital? Impossible, impossible. And then more. This council is not yet finished. Princess Elspeth, if you will. Uh, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> and you guys are not. <laughs> and you just clean that right up, Elspeth. Moonseeker walks with purpose. Remember, you guys are not even here right now. You went mm-hmm. up, 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 and walked about an, an hour, hour and a half to get to where you are now. She walks with purpose. You have no idea where. You've never been to the city before. Mm-hmm. Where is she going? What's going on here? She walks in the beeline directly toward the nearest tree. That's at least this wide. You're gonna need water. He'll walk sideways. She speaks, puts up the fingers. Are you familiar with Traversal this way? tall ferns and beautiful, colorful foliage of all sorts. It's cold and quiet, with the dusting of snow in the branches high above, and a bit on the ground around you. No structures, though, natural or otherwise, are in sight. can see a faint shimmer in the air. No more than 20 or so feet ahead of you, like heat of a pot stone. As Moonseeker walks, she was the last to pass through, and now she's the first to walk walk forward, beckoning you all with one finger to follow. There's nothing, there's no illusions about Moonseeker, I assume. Shit, I forgot. <laughs> Damn it! I was just trying to get a clear picture. We're up in the treetops, but there's no... You're not up in the trees, you're on the ground. Just like in a thick forest. A thick oh, forest. Okay. On, on the ground. That's that, that, that that's okay. why there's very light dusting of snow on, on the uh, on the ground. There's quite a bit up top. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Is this deciduous okay. or coniferous? Both. Okay. okay. Not being facetious, that gives us an idea of where in the world we are. Mm-hmm. That helps. Sure. Do you all walk... Be behind her? Yep. Norman, you, presumably only you, can see this ship being behind Moonsifer. You watch for her to do anything different, but she does not. She simply walks through, and then for a moment she's gone. As you step through, as you all step through, you can feel the air change moderately warmer. Warm enough that there's no snow. 
As you look up, a few achilles dot, uh, dot these treetops and the lower branches with rope bridges connecting into a wide, sprawling network about the size of the Katrave of Bale, perhaps, which you guys are familiar with, back mm -hmm. in its prime at least, but far more, more spread out. One here, rope bridge coming over here, one here, stairs going up, one over here. Surely not a place where people would live in large clusters, but anything more of a perimeter. And indeed, you see elves of all ages and genders looking down upon you. Many hands are on weapons, though none are blatantly drawn. Elder elvish eyes are shrewdly narrowed, but in suspicion rather than anger. Younger mouths are agape in shock and awe, clearly finding the entry of strangers to the sacred place unfamiliar and incredible. Ahead of you appears to be a wide clearing with a tall stone structure of spires reaching upward, seemingly quite out of place in this otherwise natural location. Though moss, lichen, and vines have clearly taken over the structure and nearby paths. Blue sigils with arcane writings appear on nearby rocks and adorn this odd structure in the future. And Norman, your true sight eyes can see the energy pulsing from these many lights and runes to create a protective barrier around the area. Very akin to a Teladras veil, but somehow more, bigger, perhaps stronger. There's a sudden pattering of boots on the soft earth. And a short blonde figure with piercing white blue eyes rushes up, smiling wide from ear to ear. As Morningstar practically skids to a halt, only a foot from Norman, and blurts out in Elvish, but by the undying, I can't believe you're here. And to meet the undying, that's unheard of, incredible. Any idea why Moonseeker and Brightwing won't say anything? And from over her, her shoulder in the direction that she's thumbing, you see the sorceress clan leader of the, of the Kavenya, Brightwing. Next to her is a smaller form of an elven lass with dark hair, who you're all quite familiar with, Dawnfire. Around them are other members from both clans that you've met before, including members of the Cabinia that Norman hasn't seen since you were cast free from them. Mm -hmm. Autumn Blaze and River Song are there. Morning Stars, Mother, Father, Shallow Sun, Blood Star, Fire Flower. Two other Catreva members familiar to all are, are present. Starfall, the the druid that you two first met mm -hmm. way back in the, the day, and then oh, you met dang. again, and and Summerdance, the um, wizard female that had cast Identify mm -hmm. on several items before any of you had okay. capability of that. Mm -hmm. What about uh, uh, Bright Star? 
what became Bright Tusk or what were his name changed? Yeah, Bright Tusk or something like that. Is he there? He's not there. <coughs> Star Tusk. Star Tusk? I think it was Startusk, that, that's what I remember as well. It's either Startusk or Tusk Star. <laughs> no. Tusk Star is hard, hard to say. Yeah. yeah, I think it's Startusk. Some familiar figures you can see here. As again, just to recap, Morningstar says, that's un unheard of. Incredible. Any, any idea why they want to meet you? Moonseeker and Brightwing won't say anything. I have no idea. I didn't think outsiders were allowed here at all. They're not. In case I can think of a couple ideas. Well, I guess we'll see. What are they? <laughs> Did you find any notes? No, I. And I, I think it's star. I think it's star tusk because he would mm -hmm. keep the star. I know that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure it's star tusk. Star tusk. I knew it still had something to do with his original name. Tusk mm -hmm. star is hard to say. So yeah. I think it's star, star tusk. tusk. Mm -hmm. Oh, good because he's not here. So fuck him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Greetings are had. Holy seeker says. Follow. We may talk as we walk. Is there any way we could speak out of earshot of anyone else? Like, while we're walking? Like, if I whisper? Or are we surrounded or close enough that people would hear us? Um, right now, Moonseeker just starts to walk forward. Morningstar is going to stay in lockstep with Porwim. Okay. But you have this brief moment before you go and meet with these others that are there choose to say something you can, but it is likely that Morningstar will overhear. No, no, no. Okay. Never trust the moon. Never trust the moon. <laughs> Never. Okay. I do have the pictures of the, the other folk, but I don't think that matters so much at this moment in time. What does matter, however, is an image of the place you are at. And I just described this, but pictures say a thousand words. We'll begin mm -hmm. with where Regimus goes. Mm. So this is you guys just walking up here through the veil. This one says 2,000. And these are the... <laughs> this one says 2,000 words. <laughs> 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 these are those blue sigils and, and runes I was describing on stone and the structure itself. Very, very tall. I will, out of fairness. Yeah, you should flip here. here. And you are just walking in, seeing this in the distance here as you begin to walk forward, following the seeker, coming toward. And it's this knife now, ever since we walked through that veil of magic or whatever? Yes. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's no more snow on, on the ground. It's nice. It's, it's probably only about 10 degrees warmer or so. Mm -hmm. And the odd thing is, it's not like there was a clearing and then you stepped through and then there was a building. As far as your eyes can see, it was just more dense forest. Mm -hmm. Then you step through and boom, clearing mm -hmm. with structure. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. 
which is not unlike the Kriktreba Vale. It was very, 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 very similar. You couldn't mm -hmm. see it up there until you actually climbed up it far enough. Mm -hmm. Then you were like, whoa, there's buildings up there. Mm -hmm. As you walk, walk up, up to meet with the forms of these figures here. Norman, you always remember that Red Star, fair, powerful, leader of the Cabenia, staunch follower of the Undying Court, never one to really interact with Norman much. Mm -hmm. Of course, knows of her, has heard her speak many, many times, but not precisely a, a friendly individual. Mm -hmm. Knows something guarded, something beneath. And right now, you, you focus your eyes on, on her and are in this moment just happy to see that she is who she looks like she, like she is. In fact, all here are. As you hear her, she just nods and says, we meet again, Norma. Seems to be a lot recently. Good to see you. Yes. Starfall says, it's good to see you all. It's been some time. Odd circumstances, these. What exactly are the circumstances? I don't know myself. Looks over at Bright Star and the others that are there right now. Shalasam, Bloodstar, those of the Convenium, and all sort of just have this similar sort of not know what the hell is going on look. Moonseeker mm -hmm. says, Follow. She's not break stride, and the rest come, and you'll have a couple minutes to discuss it if you wish. But now you are quite surrounded by friends. But unfortunately, at this moment in time, many ears, many pointed ears. Ooh, even worse. Mm -hmm. Sharper. As you near the structure, you can see how large it truly is. A bridge of worked stone leading over a creek toward a tall, wide door seem moderately sized at first, but one of those illusions that once you get closer and closer, you realize this is not, not a stream, this is a river. Mm -hmm. This bridge is wide enough for many men, the elves, to, to walk side by side and not touch each other. The door itself is wide, tall, very, very tall. Obviously, all of this would easily accommodate figures much larger than elves. And despite the size, it still seems tiny and lonely compared to the hundreds of similar structures and peaks that adorn the entire core city. Normally, you're, recently, you're used to those just being like ants on hills, moving all around, constant activity, things flying, whether mm -hmm. electrical, magical, or bestial in nature, every bridge teeming with folk. You had to bring up ants. <laughs> this structure here, what would normally have been a wonder of the world to your eyes, now seems almost mundane in comparison to where you just were. But undoubtedly, there's something special here. 
As you cross the, the bridge, you can see other Tegladras in the clearing, talking, milling about, tending to simple crops, speaking with animals, as elves are wont to do, etc. The doors to the great temple open as you enter. No guards, not needed in this place. No waiting this time either. As the great temple doors open, within you see fine staircases and halls that are dotted with further elves, but mostly it is quite empty, at least on this bubble here. Moonseeker stops before entering, calls off the other elves. The rest of you remain here, except Morningstar and Dawnfire. The two girls look at each other in surprise. And Dr. takes a step forward, jarring uh, the Morning Star to also come forward. The others equally confused as Moonseeker leads you all within. Do you enter behind her? Mm-hmm. I will follow my companion. <laughs> As you enter, the doors close again. No elven guards inside, opening and closing them as simply do. She leads you directly straight forward past these elves that, if outside they were shocked and surprised, and now they begin to <coughs> grab their implements, completely shocked by what they're seeing. Clearly an invasion is occurring, but equally clearly Moonseeker is a known figure, and she waves them off or simply looks at some and they relax. Primarily, mostly relaxing because they see the door that she's heading directly toward, directly straight ahead from the doors you guys just mm-hmm. entered and through this grand hall, those doors open as well. When that happens, all that were had hands on weapons see that door opening and they stop and they take steps backwards. As Moonseeker leads the the six of you, in some now, through this another grand set of doors, what could easily have been a throne room in a, a different place, but is not. Lofit, no. It is a temple structure with stone statues lining both sides of the hall, which is crawling with more moss and lichen than the entire exteriors, which is quite a bit. Something about this place seems abandoned and dilapidated. Like very few feet cross through here. The statues on either side are large, but not extremely detailed, but clearly very old. All of tall humanoids wearing, wearing robes and or hoods of varying styles, similar but different, but unified in that they all have long ears, even longer and more curved than the ears of, say, Moonseeker, Dawnfire, and Morningstar. Near you here. Like, dramatically so? Like, if the elf ears are like this, these guys' statues' ears are like... Probably not quite that long, but definitely at least double, if not triple, the, the, the length. Okay. 
As one seeker reaches halfway through the, this hall, the floor beneath her feet suddenly shifts and drops six inches. She does not stumble, as if she was expecting it. The front of this long, wide stone floor begins to lower more rapidly as other segments lower as well. Her foot catching the next step being formed as it descends downward rather than upward. By the time this shifting stone stops, she's already halfway down and you all look down into dim light, not darkness, but dim light, illuminated by torches. Morningstar herself, or sorry, um, Moonseeker herself produces flame for those that cannot see so easily. Think. <laughs> Do you follow? I'd go down at least. Yeah. Do we know what we're getting ourselves into? No. Nope. Morningstar <laughs> says. Can I use the bathroom quick before we go down? Are you asking Moonseeker that? Yes. She looks back up. Do you really need to, Raphael? I mean, this is a way longer journey than I thought it was going to be, and I don't know how much further it is. And We walked hundreds of miles through a tree instantaneously. It'll be a minute. I'm just going to go, and I'm going to turn away. Where are we right now? Can I get away where they can't really see me? No, you are with it. Well, you, you, you could go behind like a statue, one of these tall statues or columns yes. in, in, in here, if you can. As the two girls turn and are like, oh, but the doors you just walk through has closed, have closed as well. And this is the first time that you've seen no other elves within this chamber. And I'm just going to dance around for a minute and cast Augury and quick ask. Is it a good idea to keep going further in here? <laughs> Uh, roll a d20. Uh, oh, I put it over here. Actually, let me use my arms. Does it take one minute to cast, or? One minute, yep. Okay. And then iteration is instantaneous, whatever it means. Eleven. Eleven? Mm-hmm. Mujarib's voice comes to you distant and says, I think you need to. Sorry. Thanks. Moonseeker had come back up the stairs and is standing at the top now, looking at you. Did you just relieve yourself on one of the sacred statues of this place? No. Did you? No. Come on, they're waiting on us. She gives you the slightest of smiles, like a slight grin as she turns her head and walks down. Again. She trusts Annie's light spell to, to give enough light for you so she does not reproduce her flame. Mm-hmm. Smart. Yeah, that makes sense. Who just grabbed a watermelon? That's just gonna The next floor <laughs> down. Dump the watermelon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was waiting. Erosion. I just peed on that guy. The next floor down is dark and just leads to more steps downward. 
and downward, this time in a spiraling fashion, with sconces of green continual flame giving dim light, like beacons going down. And he's a light spell making it much more comfortable to, to do descend this place and see around you. Carved, clearly not natural forming. Where it leads, you can only begin to imagine at this point. Another hundred feet down through the spiraling pass, and there is yet another white stone door, which is yet again opening before your very eyes. Within, before you even cross the threshold, you can see a large circular chamber of white stone, cracked and discolored with age in some places, roots poking through gaps here and there, like, like, like little infiltrating fingers, and almost nothing else. The stone's so white, it's, it's, it's almost, it's almost blinding as you walk in and the doors close behind. You're thankful for these blemishes, these cracks, these water damage, these roots to show you that there is something else out here. Otherwise it would seem like a very alien place. There's no furniture, no bleachers, no grand dais upon which to stand before a great court, nothing. With the exception of three figures seating, sitting cross-legged in the very center of this really large chamber. Actually quite large. Probably a hundred foot radius. <laughs> These three figures are slumped forward as if dolls with their strings cut. Despite the veils that cover their their faces, their ears show them as elven, and their bodies would suggest that one in the center is an elderly female, one is a middle-aged male, and the last a younger girl, perhaps Dawnfire's age. So looking like a, like a, perhaps looking like a teenager, but possibly much older, who knows? Elder Strange. As the doors close behind them, Norman's truth-seeing eyes witness a very, very different sight within this chamber. The room is slowly flowing with a greenish-like mist, but it all moves in disparate ways not like a fog churning to a common breeze, a common direction, like it has a mind of its own. Segments of it swirling amidst itself, separating. Impossible. Is it all one? Is it separate? It's, it's very odd. You can see the weave of magic here more, more clearly. And you can see a glow that seems to suffuse the floor beneath the very center and upward in a greenish light. <coughs> but you know instinctively that these are all things that your allies cannot see. 
as your eyes are darting around the, the room, you notice that they are casually looking, not following the movement, not following what you're seeing. And from this glowing mist comes a shape, vaguely humanoid, that descends into the middle seated figure. Two more similar shapes emerge from this twisting mist and do the same to the others. And almost in, in unison, the three Fersorna raise their veiled heads toward the newcomers. The elder veiled elf in the center says in a croaking voice, the undying court welcomes you, traveler from afar. As she seems to be looking at you through a veil that you cannot not pierce past. The veils all have a similar looks akin to, to this here. Mm -hmm. You see here and there throughout. The youngest, Fair Swarness, says, We have waited long for this meeting again. The middle aged male says, We have been patient. As Moonseeker steps to, to the side, and these three veiled faces seem to be looking toward you. And what do I owe the honor of such a esteemed something? The elder turns the veiled face toward Moonseeker, who's again a step to the side. Moonseeker, have you informed him? And she says, no. I thought the duty would fall onto you, esteemed elders. The middle-aged male says, has he fulfilled what you'd hoped? Moonseeker replies, yes, and more. He's capable of uh, druidic ma magics of the seventh circle and can become all four elements. Furthermore, he has shown an aptitude for arcane knowledge and practices in its ritualistic form, at least. I believe he has grown to be my equal already, and all before his 20th human year. He will surpass me shortly, and has the capability to go far beyond that. The youngest says, a glowing commendation from one such as yourself. What say you, human boy? Are you as great as Phelan Silvers would have us believe? Uh, individually, all of the acclamations were accurate, I would say, but whether or not I deserve such praise is yet to be seen. He Just is that good. You say that? Mm-hmm. Kick your ass. As, as you speak, the, the heads do turn, turn. I imagine that you guys are kind of like how you are now, just for ease's sake. You're kind of standing in the middle, you turn just a little bit. Reversed. Right? Like, wouldn't you be, you know what I mean? Like, he would, he would be behind him. Yes. No, 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 no I'm just saying from, from this okay. end. Yeah, if you, you two took five feet that way. We're up in front like, hey, who are these people? <laughs> no, it's just, get them, boys. Yeah, we, <laughs> we brought you here. <laughs> Even beyond the veil, you swear that you can see the youngest 
her cheeks rise a bit in a, a slight grin. She says, we shall soon see. You're right. Male. Again. He's not been informed. He's not been informed. He's not been informed. Only you, Norman, can see as another wispy figure of green mist flows into the body of the aged elven woman in the center. And as it enters, you see other mist seeping out like water from a rung of a sponge. As the same voice, but different in intonation, says, Do you know of the cycle of souls, child? I'm familiar with some of it, at least. Uh, we studied that in the Keller Elves Keep, right? Is that where we saw that thing? You did? Yeah. And so I would explain, essentially, what I know about it. Okay. Replies as as you're speaking, she basically re replies almost with something like rote knowledge, mm -hmm. emphasizing what you're what you're saying. Like you say, and she responds in, in her, her own way until together you complete this diagram mm -hmm. of mortal souls are of this land, and when the flesh perishes, the soul lingers, eventually permeating through the weave. To the shadowy realm of the deceased, where they are eventually crushed downward and merged into their raw state. The energy that survives the perilous journey then enters the land of light to be purified of sin and wrongdoing before falling upon the realm of passion, life like snow to be imbued with new life, and finally permeating the weave again in this realm, where a new soul finds home within a mother's womb. Human, dwarf, halfling, every living form native to this land with a mind and body and soul. That is essentially exactly what you were saying. The material realm will pass to the shadow fell and down the a perilous journey through the abyss, mm -hmm. that which which survives reaches the celestial plane to be, be cleansed, falls like snow onto the Feywild, where it's mm -hmm. reimbued with light before passing back through. Mm -hmm. The words that are said are not entirely the way you've heard them, but Calrell was more of an academic more than us. Precisely. Yeah. That's not what I've heard, or said, <laughs> a scholar to ancient times. Your youngest, Ferriswarna, speaks as you two collectively end the, the, the previous bit of information. And she, all she says is, except for elven kind. Mm -hmm. Male says, the original elven people are not of this land, nor are their souls. The first were formed in the realm of life from the raw passion of mortal kind. In this way, we were born from the desires and emotions of you mortals. As you all wish to see great beauty, we are beautiful. 
as you all clamor for longer lives, the elves live them. The, the youngest picks up the thread. And because of this, the elven souls do not follow your cycle. They are not of this place, and so they stay whole and present in this realm, invisible and mindless, unable to flow to the realm of the dead. It is because of this that there can never be more elven souls than those who came before from the wild Feylands in the time before history, back when the strongest desires of man called for companionship and aid against their oppressors. The elder. Never more living elves than the number which came long, long ago. With us. If the souls linger in this place for too long without a new home, they tarnish. It is because of this that we, undying, shepherd elven kind into balance. In times of peace, we must curb our kind, the passion, libido. In times of war, we must encourage fertility. A soul must have a body or it tarnishes. A body must have a soul or it is hollow. Younger again speaks. This is why, despite the long-lived nature of elves, they do not procreate with wanton abandon of humans, with the wanton abandon of humans. Men of old feared that the elven population would swell to incredible numbers in a few of our long generations and quash the entire human race. Through too short of lives, they fret and it leads to mistakes. This and base jealousy is what began the animosity between our kinds so shortly after our shared triumph so long ago. Little do they know that it is the elves who must be careful to not be caught underfoot, for we cannot grow, only maintain. The middle-aged man, male, says, and so we shepherd our descendants into order, guide them with wisdom cultivated through all of recorded history, whilst behind the veil of death, so that we may prolong life. Another option of greenish energy flows from the youngest elf, displace, displacing the one before it, which flows the opposite direction to join the tumultuous cloud permeating the chamber. To you two, there's perhaps a slumping and a shifting in the, in the girl before she writes herself and continues in the same voice as before, though again, an oddly, like a, just a different way of speaking. Still mm -hmm. her voice, but different mannerisms, different methods of speaking. Because our souls linger whole, they retain fragments of what they once were. The body is a separate aspect but the soul can often recall a shadow of its former shape. And thus a new elf may take upon physical traits of the past. The mind is a separate aspect as well. 
but an aged soul can become imprinted with emotion, desire, and even poignant memory. It is for this reason that elves choose not to dream. Did you know this, human boy? It recalls the imprinted memories of prior lives and is considered uncomfortable for the youngers. Who am I if not me, they ask as they fret. As elves grow older and wiser, they become comfortable with their own skin and experiences. And some do choose to dream, to explore who they were and grow an even greater understanding of themselves in the process. Another greenish mist-like exchange happens with the elder female. She bows, almost like not nodding ahead, and writes herself. And she lifts a crooked finger, a long nail, toward you. Do you dream, young man? Yes. Not so recently. Do you oft dream? Not normally, at least not that I recall. There's a moment of silence, and you see the ripples <laughs> pulse on the ground. <laughs> and figures. Emerging from the mist, not emerging so much as it does coalescing as they come forward into them. And it's impossible to know for the shapes continue to change and twist and move on, but to your true seeing eyes, it's it's impossible to know how many what you're now realizing are the undying court. Surely not these three fair sworn of, but these souls kept here somehow. A dozen, two, three, less than a hundred, surely. Hard to say though. True numbers as they shift. Do you remember the first time you were here? Time to awaken the memories that we took from you. A beginning to answering questions that we have waited for. Moonseeker comes up toward you and says, She looks nervous. Something you've almost never seen Moonseeker look nervous before. Will you allow this, Snowman?
and she reaches down and gently grabs your hand and mm-hmm. walks forward to guiding you toward them. Nice. Morning Star takes a step forward as well. Dawnfire helps puts out a hand and says, Morning Star just goes, What's going on? In a very much a stage whisper, <laughs> Dawnfire says, As you walk forward, Moon Seeker reveals a diamond that she's been worrying this whole time ago, like a worry stone. Mm-hmm. The elder, Fair, Fair Swarna, stands. You see her legs, even through the robes, kind of unfurled from them before they, they flat clothes, bare and skinny, the flesh almost translucent in some ways. Seeker begins to cast a spell that you're familiar with, the Greater Restoration. Mm-hmm. As she holds the, 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 the diamond up to your, your forehead, she just holds, still holding your hand, mm-hmm. touches it to your forehead right here. The Elder Fair Sworna reaching up a long crone-like finger. The finger's normal, but aged, nails chipped in play, play places. Unkempt, you might say, but not dirty. She touches her directly on the forehead. You three suddenly see this green mist. You don't see the figures that are nowhere else, and you don't see the light from beneath, but you see this green mist ripple in the air above this chamber, filling it. It becomes, it moves, it ripples on the surface of the pond. And you see what no one sees. As your mind splits like an axe through a tree. As old memories are suddenly thrust back into your head. But not just old memories, the truth of memories that are not true. Your existence shifts and changes and it's painful. Moonseeker's gentle fingers on your temples now as the god diamond has shattered and your eyes are closed. She touches your temples, puts your forehead to hers she says, let me guide you. As you see a young man, no, I'm sorry, you are a young man running quickly through a field, bounding over logs and crevices with long legs. The smell of smoke in the dusk air illuminated more brightly than normal just over the hill. Heavy breathing and sobs come from you distant yipping and howls in the coming night, a slapping of your feet on soft earth. There's a move forward as the vision shifts, not stable in some ways. And you're only seeing, you are only seeing your direct, immediate, peripheral. everything else is just a greenish vibration Mm -hmm. around. 
you enter the burning village of Saranac and run to the simple home of Timber and Thatch. A man lay on the dirt outside of the home, your home, face down, with a four-pronged pitchfork still on his back, an arrow piercing his neck. Norman sobs more loudly. He moves around the still figure to the one next to it, a woman. Longer brown hair matching Norman's own. Long hair that you see through your own vision. Move it out of the way. Her longer brown hair matching yours covers half her face, which is sticky with blood. Her hands likewise crimson. But beneath the blood is another staining, a mottled purplish color. Her chest rises, and Norman falls to his knees next to her, grasping one bloody hand with both of, of his. And they are not the hands of a child. They are not a truly a man's hands in strength or in character, for the fingers are long and dirty with hard work from working fields and farmland for some time. <coughs> she coughs blood and sputt goes onto your face as her eyes open. She says in, in Elvish, Norman, I love you. Be strong. Remember to tend as delirium and death takes her final breath. As her head falls to the mud, it rotates, her hair falling to one side, revealing pointed ears. The man next to her, your father, likewise has those same ears. Norman cries, hugging his mother as pain spreads through his entire body. Delirium and grief reaches you as the marks progress further into your blood vessels, into the muscle, into the very bone, into your lungs. The pain is great, both physical and mental. You lay in the mud between your mother and your father and close your eyes. Just let it take you. Your upper body is lifted from the, from the ground by gentle hands, and your eyes open to see the most beautiful face he's ever seen. An angel, to be sure, there could be no other explanation. It must be that, or one of the undying that your mother would speak about. But a fair-skinned elven woman with silvery moonlit hair she speaks elvish words like, like, like a song and touches your cheek. White green energy rippling through your body, stitching the calluses on your feet from, from running so hard. The abrasions on your hands from, from working the fields, the bruises on your ribs from falling from that, from that tree not long ago. But the magic can do nothing for the dead flesh that now covers half your body. 
the magic fades, the elven woman's eyebrows knit in confusion. Her lips purse into a frown. And in that moment, Norman breathes his very last breath. Feel something surge through you like a lightning bolt from the heavens, capturing your soul, your mind, and leaving your body to rust and ruin. As you open your eyes again and see your personal angel, angel the silver-haired elf, you'll be okay now, she says softly, touching you on your bare shoulder. Boy opens his mouth, but there are no words. You're still in hell. The smell of fire and flesh and blood, the feel of it thick in the air. But you can't see. The darkness has taken them fully, it seems, though you can see the sun just barely setting it. It, it seems so much darker now than it should be at this time of night or dusk. At least you don't hurt so much anymore. Pain returns though, in your shoulder where she touched. You wince and put your hand up to it. A small hand, smaller than you're used to. As you look and you see that purple mottling scrub faintly and your own fingertips begin. The elven woman looks concerned, confused again, and looks at her own fingers, sticky with unguents and oils. She grabs her water skin and pours it over the fingers to wash them, revealing the same reddish-purple modeling on the tips of her own flesh. Finally, she understands what Norman does not at this, this time. With a few words of magic and the, and the production of a crystalline sphere, she halts the spreading of this malady on the young Norman. Right where you always had it. The pain is still there, but dulled. As she helps you up to drink from her water skin, you take it in two hands that are too small, fingers too clumsy. You drink deeply, unfamiliar in this body, this shape, and you vomit it into a small puddle. In that dusk light of that puddle, you see yourself five, six, seven years old with rounded ears. You all see this similarly. When you <gasps> breathe Norman back with Moonseeker looking into your eyes tears coming down her own. And she says, I'm sorry. It's not over yet. As she puts her forehead almost more aggressively onto yours and you are lost again in more memories that exist. You all see an accelerated images, impressions, feelings, moments through your time meeting the the Kavenya the, the for the first time. Moonseeker arguing with Brightwing, a young elven girl poking you in the still-stained flesh of your, sh your shoulder and laughing as she spreads mud on her own shoulder in the, mm -hmm. in the same place. Look, we're the same. 
weeks flip by as you live with these people, very much on the move, heading toward somewhere you do not know. You get no answers when you ask. You recall these memories. You remember this. This is not anything new. What you don't recall is at night you dream. And it hurts so much. Visions you cannot understand cascade through your mind too much for anyone to grasp, too much for anyone to handle. Your young toddler form cries and wails every night, and Moonseeker's there to comfort you. She asks about the dreams, and Norwin talks clumsily, his tongue not as apt to getting around the elvish words now, it seems, but he's getting better and better. This happens night after night. After one particularly terrible night when Norman becomes comatose for hours after awakening from a dream, he's explaining his random visions to Moonseeker as he always does, sipping on some hot tea. And Moonseeker's clever face turns sharply in shock to Norman at something he said, though this vision is not even, you don't even remember what it was. As it accelerates further, the very next day, you and Moonseeker are hand in hand. As Norman waves goodbye to the little blonde-haired elven girl who enthusiastically waves goodbye to her, to, to you and Moonseeker, as Moonseeker puts a finger on a tree and you walk through. The vision that you all see Transitions to Moonseeker standing right where she is now. Standing before, facing the three fair swarma. Though the youngest one is, is not there, replaced by a much, much older male elder form. Next to Moonseeker is a young human boy, Norman. You're partially hiding behind her holding her her hand. Under the fair Sorna speak, you should not have done this, Moonseeker, and you should not have hidden this from us. How was I to know, Elder? My actions were just, my intentions pure. Your emotions overruled your mind. You know you do not do this to your own kind. I knew the risks and the sacrifice, but it was my failure and not seeing the poison when I had the opportunity. The others were already gone, and so they returned to nature. He, he died in my arms, and so it was my responsibility to bring him back. Even so, now that we know who he was, we must allow his soul to return to an elven form so that it may grow to understand the memories. There are answers within, and the power it holds may be incredible. This human boy may be incredible too, elders. I will not take that chance from him. You speak foolishness, Phelancerus. As the whole chamber in this vision seems to writhe slightly, the voice from one, all three, are 
murmuring it in unison. His elder form was a mere twenty years of age, hardly obeyed by elder standards, and this human flesh even less than that. We will not waste the resources within just to save and sate your guilt. Umasuka replies, my goal is to protect life, any natural life at any costs. If this is the form his soul took, then so be it. I will not steal away the life that could be, and I will not let you kill him and put him into an elven form. And what will you do to stop us? I cannot stop you with my power, but I can stand against you. But I wish to do neither. Most importantly, I know of your ilk, the ancient souls from before. I know what you are. I know how you are. So I will offer you the one thing you cannot refuse. A deal. I will offer you something in return for your mere patience. Let me train the boy. He is human, so he will learn and mature quickly. Instead of waiting another 20 years for an elf to perhaps recall them, there's a chance that he will grow into the memories himself, given that same time training. What do we gain in taking this risk if we wait 20 years either way? 20 years is nothing to an elf even less to you all. I ask this favor, and if I am wrong and he fails after his 20th birthday, I will become Ferrisforna and not stand in your way. My life will be yours, my mind, body, and soul for you to use as you will. And if he succeeds, if he is strong enough to withstand the memories, then you've gained time and an ally and I will still become your most faithful servant. To young, young Norman, the next words don't make, all these words don't make much sense, but the Undying Court agrees to Moonseeker's request, but places certain limitations in place, limiting the skills that she can teach. Start with herbs, simple transformations, easiest to spot craft, naturally. The number of years that you can stay with the Kvenya, once you've reached human maturity, you are to be cast out, and she will never reach out to you again until the time has come. The last thing you remember is the first one of three raising to touch you, though you resist and fight against, and Moonseeker has to physically hold you in, in place as they put their hands upon your head and excise these memories from you, replace them with false ones of you always being a human boy. Your vision returns to you as Moonseeker's hands lift from your temple, the elder Fefer Sorna sitting cross-legged again on the ground. I'll give you the opportunity to speak before I continue, or any of you for that matter. Thank you for your patience. 
No one is around at this point in time, upwards of 70 feet from you, having entered the center of this very large chamber. Then you will not like what comes next. Do you understand now, knowing the human, why you are here? I am some sort of an, some sort of important person in my past. I was Elvish. Yes. Her seeker takes your hand and says, you are human. What you were does not define you. Do not take this as a, a simple change in who you are. You are who you are. Should let's go with your hand. Persona speaks. Do you know whose soul you harbor within yourself? Even now, tarnishing it as the edges fray to dust, soon making it incompatible with the path of the souls. The limit that we placed on the seekers may seem harsh, but there was a reason. Soon we will not be able to harness original soul into a newborn. It will become fully human, lost to us. Whether or not you keep it is your decision. It is clear from your progress, even so young, that the soul is still powerful within you, and perhaps you can withstand the strain, but there are no guarantees. Your mind may shatter, or you may be lost within memories more vast and aged than any you could imagine. There is risk, but there is little other option. The answers hidden deep within you are of great import to our kind and yours. We will guide you through the process and limit the flow as best we can so that it does not consume you. This day, we only care about the very end of the elven life from 21 years ago, a year before you were born in Saranac. Moonseeker, seeing you I think reasonably just kind of like, huh? <laughs> like, yeah, I think, I think well, Stephen, you're doing a great job RPing tomorrow. Bang, bang, bang about now. I'm not joking. That's, that was not meant, meant to be mean. Yeah, that's literally long. The seeker says, a human mind cannot harness the long memories of an elf, especially one as long-lived as 
you see another transfer soul. There's Swarna, the youngest. And she simply says, Norwin, have you ever heard of the Chorus Saluta? Yes, may the commander. The greatest mage of all mages. Head of Cormantir. Yes. If power is the stick by which you measure. They look up to the Corsarutar. It is a position. It is a title. The grandest mage of all the mages. Mage meaning a loose term. It is said if the Corsalutar desire conference with the sun, the sky itself will bow its head so that he may speak more easily. Moonseeker says, the human mind cannot handle the long memories of an elf, especially one as long-lived as the previous Corsalutar. You will fracture your mind and its power, if its power returned to your body, you would not be able to handle the overflow. The Undying Court's choice that they give you is to let us take your life now so that we may guide the soul into an elven body which will be raised until it is ready to access the memories. Or, Live until the memories begin to return and hope they do not destroy your mind and soul at an inopportune moment. Or, why we are all here. Let us attempt to access them now. The least risk to the memories, which could alter much is to let us guide your spirit into a worthy vessel and access them in a hundred years' time. But I think you are strong enough. I know you're strong enough. I'm staking much of my own life on this. Mm -hmm. The Swarna says, will you allow us to do this? Your cooperation will make the process far easier, less convoluted. I will turn back to look at in Earth. Well, the first option's off the table. You're not allowed to die yet. Anyone who mentions option A again gets a sword up their ass. And then Earth can do something, too. <laughs> Honestly, I think this is going to come for me at some point anyway. Might as well let the elves do what they can to help guide the process. I'd say be careful, but you press me left and right, so I ain't worried. We're yeah. here in case you need us. Thank you. That 
It's the one window. I know. I'm like, mm -hmm. I can't control that window. <laughs> Elves always think they know everything. They don't know shit. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll find out what they know. Wait, okay. you are an elf. I guess. <laughs> You're strong enough to have gone through the steps with us. That's fair. Fighting one another. Yep. That's fair. You can survive some memories. Mm -hmm. Find out. I guess the smartest guy I know. We'll see. Uh, Shimmer, a. I'll just say flat out, you see a fairy. Just behind Annie, just over her shoulder. He watches it, knows this. Annie, and in your ear, not your mind, but your ear, you hear, make a deal with that. And you just turn, and you don't see anything there at all. You see it foot around to the other side. Demand something in return. I can be here, huh? <laughs> the old fae must be true, true to their word. They like making deals. I think There's if we a... give them what they want, though, shouldn't be at no price. memories, right? To harness them. Yeah. Is there any other benefit that comes with all that knowledge being poured into your brain? So much is supposed to break it? Well, it sounds like the knowledge would be useful to us, at least to me as well. I'm going to quietly say, are any enemies going on? Voice outside of my head? I don't know, but if somebody wants something You can probably hear me saying this. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Only you can see the, the little fairy wings beating gently. Hey, I don't judge about someone talking to themselves. You get yourself sorted, we'll figure this out. <laughs> I will say in Infernal to Annie, there is a fairy sitting around you if you don't see it. Well, it's, something's talking to me. Must be the thing from the theater. I explain. Didn't I explain to both of you? Didn't she explain the fairy thing to us? You said you did. You did at the table, oh, but you okay. said that you did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's still here. Well, it thinks we should make a deal for something we want. Was 66. Oh, isn't that coming? Oh, it's Cass 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 Cass
speak up and say it. You speak of a deal. Yeah. This is fair. We could just take our jerk and leave. You could try. <laughs> Give me a reason to test that name undying. What do you want? We undying have power, yes. But not much to affect the outside. What we do have is knowledge, information. We are older than you could know. Literally. We were there before the end, before the beginning of history. Recorded. We were there before, before dull dawn took our memories. Sorry, one second. We were there before uh, dawn took their memories. We were, we, we were there before dull dawn and Oladra took our memories. Hmm. We resist, even now. That magic's powerful, yes, but so is ours, and our minds are alien to them. So, your minds are all brimming with questions. I don't know about the traveler. Yeah. I'm say we could use some of the knowledge. Yeah, I mean, they're all connected to. Luck, Lady Luck, right? Yeah. Mm. And so, we can see what they know about that. Yeah. We'll give you each a question each. One per outsider. Morningstar says, What about me? I have a lot of questions. <laughs> you are only here at the request of Phelan Silvers. And Moonseeker says, You two will be needed to help Norwin and me. Is this deal amenable? Question each a tome of knowledge that we have that not even Orion's scourges could remove. Hidden secrets. Us. I mean, if we uh, have some opportunity to think about what our questions might be, but I think that might be amenable. I'm risking your life, you should get two questions. Die for three questions? No. Sounds right. like I'm gonna die at some point anyway. Brain turned to scrambled eggs. Yeah. 
your back either way, I'm just saying. If a question I may ask may lead up to a follow-up, may I request that as well? You may, but we can choose to answer the follow-up or not, if it is more of a grander question itself. Word your questions wisely, young Norman. But, tis only fair, if you ask a question by which our answer is even we do not know, for there are things that even we undying do not know, our memories still muddied by those that came long before. If we do not know that answer, we will not hold that against you. You each get questions until you have answers three. Is this not more fair? If instead of questions, you'd rather have requests, go right ahead. But understand our influence is limited. Right. The undying should not interfere too much with the ways of the living. And what you've all witnessed here is already far more than most. We will resist excising these memories as well. Oh, don't pay attention to him, one of them says. We think in unified ways after so long together, but we are individual. Moonseeker says, and if he is to perish, what then? then it is timely that we are doing this now, so we can hope to harvest. But, to be fair, in case of failure, we will grant each of your two companions two questions each, one additional answer. Well, I was thinking we get our questions beforehand. No. Well, how is he supposed to ask questions? He's mad. He's not. That's why you two get them. A kind offer, I would say. You each get two. One more if he fails. But we do not wish this. We do not wish to wait 20 more years. There's no guarantee. I guess that saying on us. Estimate yourself as vastly as they do? Maybe. Well, thank God we're here. Yeah. <laughs> but having assistance, guidance, is always better than trying to do something that you don't know on your own. While I might not necessarily trust the intentions, I trust.
basically starting at her at that point. I did not raise you from a boy just for this purpose. I raised you with the hopes that you will do far, far more. And that's why I trust you. And I trust you. Alright. Let's get freaky in the mind, I guess. The first swarm began to disrobe. Elder first. Younger, gross. They do stand, though. Three of them. And Moseger says, step back and you do as well instinctively as the center the ground here a circular area with you know offshoot stone going out of the way turns and lifts the first swarm of having got off of it before this mm-hmm. as it rises you two can now see that same powerful green glow that you were able to see with your true sight. As about a 10 foot radius center here lifts up about 10 feet, uh, 20 feet, you see an enormous emerald cluster. I'm talking about the size of, I mean, just huge. Mm-hmm. Like maybe 10 feet wide, 15 feet tall curved, jagged, smooth. It is looks the same as a heartstone. Or perhaps a better way to think about it is this is where all the heartstones come from that the tailor dress use. Mere fragments of this much larger piece. And you being so close, within you can see that same green mist that permeates out. The green mist outside is merely the, the dregs of what's inside. You can almost see elven fey, perhaps, figures inside, dense, so densely packed, even the crystal this huge, holding their, their souls and what you see out here in your images that they can use to influence. One of the fair swornas says, Touch your finger to the emerald and begin the process. I'm always wearing a healer's gloves, so mm-hmm. I'll do that. Put your hand down. You feel a surge as so many souls flow into you. And Moonseeker behind puts her fingers in your temple again as her eyes close, your eyes close. The briefest of moments as the three fair swarm stand around you, putting their hands forward, their fingers twitching. As your mind is obliterated into a million, million shards of glass, of nothing. The whirlwind of memories is immediate and it only accelerates more and more and more. So many buzzing through your head, like worms digging through your mind in a million, million places. The power of the Undying Court guides you, almost drastically 
Deering. As you lose all sense sensation. As that green mist atop still gives a portal by which you two can see. For a moment, your eyes are not looking up. They are caught on Norwin as his legs buckle and he falls. Me is hitting hard. Moonseeker falls. Moonseeker falls with him. The, th- the three fair sworn all fall crumpling. The souls within them inhabiting them gone for the moment. As Norman lifts his head up, and there's no sound, but you see <laughs> spreading above top. You see this accelerated <laughs> flashes of memory of so many things you cannot begin to piece it together. Trees, rocks, elven fake figures, words, beards being said, laughter around a fire, a child in his arms, and, and this, and, and, and the next, it, it's, 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 it's unbelievable. It's too much. Yes. And then Moosaker's voice in your head, focus on your last moments. And funneling you toward to a moment of accelerated chaos. There's a lightning bolt comes, crashes, throwing rocks everywhere. You see archways of stone over you. One there, one there, one there, one there behind you. Two more crossing over you in some, no, more over here, more over here. And pathways going here and there. Trees with colorful orbs faintly glowing on them, a forest, a forest all around, a clearing with these stone paths and archways, ah, ah, it's too much, as another bolt <laughs> cracks down. And a black figure, <laughs> as your face bleeds and a tooth flies, and erupt into flame, <laughs> immolating. gone. Your fiery form turns, your mouth opens, and a firestorm roars down from the sky, engulfing him entirety in radiance and flame, and another from the top comes as a black orb expands into a spear, and you goes right through you, through the ground, into infinity and your chest in flame does not reform from that. Your form changes again in, into stone as the figure off the sky comes down with a foot. You lift up here and it cracks right through, dissecting you into with forms again, hitting with your watery hand as you engulf the figure can't breathe and just hold yourself together suffocating him that's the only way nothing else works transports out of you wet zoo we're back the image shifts again accelerating forward a little bit and backward and forward and back and here and there and think and then you're sitting in the center of this 
area with archways going one there, 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 and there in the 50 or so feet from the center here. Glowing blue room, this stone right here. Your staff to your side as you sit across like drinking from your water skin. And a voice says, from just two to the side, casually leaning against the stone archway. The figure says, I don't want to fight you anymore, old one, as you, Korsalutar, of 21 years ago, looks and sees a figure in black robes with armored plates right here. The outfit that you're familiar most with, Fire Song, but have seen once before. And a sutra of sorts around here. Clothing, tattered, burned, ripped, but the flesh completely unscathed. The hair unquote. I don't want him to fight you anymore, old one. The crow says, you don't have what would I seek, though you might get in my way in the future, I'll take that chance and bid you farewell. Your mouth opens and you speak, I wish that I could do so, and do not think the irony of you calling me old one is lost. You are a danger that will live on for another millennia until you get what I want. What can I say? I'm a patient and stubborn man. As you drink, you are no man. I can see that plainly. You wield one of the anvils, the hammers, the tenshik hagen, the heaven and earth. You are not encumbered like those I know. Do not know from whence you come or what your aim is, but make no mistake, I will end your threat here. Well, that is one possibility. The other is that I kill you. Erase your soul from existence, erase your entire existence out of existence, and then you won't even be around to see what I'm going to do in the future. You toss your water skin down a little bit of dregs leaking out. Who are you? As the crow says, me? I'm nobody. I'm just a little glimpse under your door. I'm the one who taps on, taps on your window while you sleep at night. I'm the stranger you'll meet on the road. I'm the one you'll never remember meeting, but who wants everything in the world for you. If only you had the gumption to take it. Smiles. I'm just a mere traveler, friend. You are a black stain on the world, traveler. A worm that digs into the hearts of all that you meet. You are a crow, feeding on the carrion of war and leading predators to more prey so that you can reap the rewards looking for the next shiny trinket to pilfer. Crow, crow, 
<laughs> I sort of like that, actually. Your time of mischief has come to an end, Dark One. Let us continue. Fine, but you won't like how this ends, my young friend. As you lean forward as if about to stand, I'll quickly put your hand in the very center here, <clears throat> channeling your most powerful magics into it. <clears throat> Traveling through the arches, <clears throat> through the, the archway, there, 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 and there. And in front of you, the archway burns <clears throat> with fire. Over here, the archway burns with a tornado gale. Over here, water. And behind you, rolling earth. The crow, the traveler, perhaps we can simply just gonna call him, looks from side to side. I said I was done playing, actually. I don't like your toys. <laughs> he shivers like he wants to teleport out like we've seen him do so many times. Ah, and you say, Planar Binder. Try to teleport in or out of a place in this powerful play line with four planar portals open? I think not. Turn to face him, and he turns to face you. Let us recommence. Probably have another two minutes left. Let's finish. Blow an enormous gale of fire that he just lets wash over him. You clap your hands together, the fire whirls around. Put your hands again, and water, a tsunami of it, comes crashing, rolling over. The crow, currently not able to see through the flame, is stunned when the tsunami of water just washes over, dousing the flame causing steam enough that he's swept along, hits a pillar, hits the ground, and rolls, and rolls, and rolls. As from the portals comes a water elemental, a fire elemental, an earth elemental, and, a, and, and, and an air elemental. And you say, go, as you yourself become a water elemental, coming into the, to the tsunami as the other one does the same. And the crow is just moving ahead, digs his feet in, standing against the force as you come in and just give him the fucking punch of your life. <laughs> Seemingly unfazed. The one behind comes up in golf <laughs> And you say in um Ignan? Auron? Aquan? Taren? Aquan, yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I finally can't remember. In Aquan, let's see how long don't need to breathe for. Can't get out. Tsunami rolling you all along. As a hand comes out into the watery form of you as you and the water elemental have merged at this point in time into two, a constant whelming. He says, give me a minute. Puts his hands, and you are gone. You are in a place shackled, 
banished. Incapacitated. Your mind reels through what could he possibly do in only a minute time. And what the, in only a minute, there's, but I did finally stop his concentration. He's vulnerable now. That's what he needed to get. He was, in, he was immune before. Now, now, you can kill him. As you come back, still in your watery form, and you see him standing over with two black spinning discs in his hand. Fire, fire elemental, a mere twig of fire now. As he slices through a limb, it falls to the ground and it does not regrow. It simply lands and begins to spread the flame about the water, the water elemental long gone tsunami spent itself the air elemental coming in and he throws the hand and tendrils come out from it piercing the air elemental he twists and it just rips and it falls into disparate pieces of wind the earth elemental is already in rubble there and he looks wounded now bruises blood trickling here cut over his eye, a gash right here, fire still licking at him in some spots. As he finishes, fire elemental. Now do we begin? Into your normal form. Now we end. As the earth splits, earthquake shattering. The ground and the crow falls within, but then comes up just as you close it to crush him over here. So many things happen so fast that even you guys watching, you can hardly keep up. As you continuously transform, every time that you're hit, you simply transform into another mental and another elemental and another elemental and he slices off off your arm you transform and turn the arm goes back you continuously do this over and over and, and over again you knock him down one time you transform into a mammoth come up crush him ah, he screams as then he puts his hands on you and necrotic tendrils crawl up the form and explode you back into your normal Form. As you're coming down, you summon the lightning bolt that you throw down at him. As you land next to him, bring it down on your staff, and he just rolls out of the way. Springs up. And you transform again, and this duet goes on. Him seemingly far faster, hard to pin down, taking damage, but as you cast a spell, he will do, do this, and it will simply gone as he casts a spell and, and you counter you um dispel it be gone magic he goes my be gone and counter spells you and that's the biggest mistake is as you try to try to, to dispel his spell, and he counters you you don't have enough time to transform into an elemental again he's up on top of you already and grabs your wrist and <laughs> breaks it there, hits you in the chest, <laughs> in the neck, <laughs> and you're stunned. Does it again. 
You're stunned. Does it again. <laughs> Hitting you in the face until you're nothing but a pulp. Stun. 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 All you need is a moment, a single second of respite to transform, but you can't. It's too fast. As he lifts you up, throws you in, in, in the air a bit, here's your chance, you think, as he points a finger, and a thin green beam comes toward, and you just barely have the gumption to move around as it hits your arm and dissolves it from existence. You land, your leg breaking. You finally have a moment to transform as you once again take the form of an, of an air elemental realizing it's time to just get the fuck out of here. Your body begins to twist and transform, but it, it fades, it's gone. The portal's all closed. <laughs> you look up, blood from your battered face streaming down as the crow stands there with arm out. A large black orb there, crackling. Rocks, twigs, grass being pulled toward it. He holds it up. I'm gonna show you something truly terrifying. As a scroll unwinds to encompass and circle this slowly undulating and winding. As he lowers his hand, that black orb remains sinking inward into true darkness. Begins to pull your form. You go, you draw in blood on, on the ground, slap it forward to, to cast fly, and nothing. There's no magic here. There's nothing. The weave, you're cut off from the weave. And there's nothing more. As you begin to slide forward, ripping out to the stonework. Don't worry, I'll make sure that none remember you. As scroll-like tendrils come to wrap around the two legs and drag your fingernails scraping and you're being pulled in, in, in. And the last moment of lucidity, of lucidity, magic, lost to you at this point. There's some small solace in that this man, this being, can be hurt. If he can be hurt, he can be killed. But not by you and not this day. But he will not take your immortal soul. You've lived 665 years far too long for this to happen. As you pull out a curved dagger from your side, <laughs> stick into your neck and twist. In an instant, severing your spinal cord and killing yourself. <laughs> As you come back to your own mind and vision, on your knees right there, Moonseeker lets go, her own hands shaking, the green mist fading from above. Your true sight now 
gone at this point in time. You, you can see no more than the rest of these can. It's a weird, oddly empty s sensation as you see the first swarm bring themselves up. And in their laying down state, you can see that they are skinny, emaciated, pallid, pale figures. Mere hollow shells as they come up and resume their status cross-legged, arms clasped as that central plinth lowers. The room is oddly mundane right now as there is a moment of quiet punctuated only by Norwin's heavy breathing. And that's all gone. Your mind is down a rabbit hole so deep, can't even begin to guess where you are, who you are, anything. You're living a hundred days, a thousand days, tens of thousands of, of days at one time. Every time that you touched something, you feel it. Every tree that you once knew, you feel it. You feel everything. You experience everything. You've walked all the planes and it's, it's so much that you see Norman's body convulsing for a moment and then laying flat. And Moonseeker screams, quickly, quickly, come to me! No, book it. Down to Morningstar do the same. As Moonseeker laying down her guard for just that moment, grabs your, your, your face now as you just, and you guys see Norman's eyes are just going. He's looking at a million, million, million things. His mouth is moving. Like every conversation he's ever said is coming out all at once. You see blood begin to bubble up. You see wounds that he never had as long as you know him begin to reform memories that affect not only him but the body itself. So much happening. And when Secret reaches forward to you, grabs your hand, and places it on Norman's chest. And the same for you, Morningstar, and Dawnfire doing the same. She says, focus and call out to him. You are the ones that love him and know him best. Remind him who he is. Remind him who the human Norwin is before he gets lost forever. And she once again re-engages your temples and closes her eyes and as she does that you all feel this encompassing but much smaller than before feeling around you as you see this tumultuous chaos of memories and color and images flashing by and know where to even be begin you could be anywhere in a million million moments Annie what do you do to call out Norwin. So we can see the memories? You can see them, but they're impossible to comprehend. Okay. I could sit here and describe a million things, and then, they, then they'd be gone the next millisecond. I would mainly be focusing on anything that contains rabbits. Mm -hmm. And I would say something along the lines of Norwin, you're shit at making a familiar, but we'll get you a real rabbit, and one day you'll get the smoke to work for you. Have to come back now. Make we a, have. 
Please smoke, please. We have a Continue. much bigger goal than any of the memories from my past life. Make a persuasion check. That will be 28. Okay. Nice. As you hear <coughs> Annie's saying this, it sounds so distant to you right now. In this place of whirling colors and images, this infinite corridor of, of sorts. <laughs> what nice. do you say to call to Norman and bring him back to you? I don't know if your soul is elf or human. I just know it's always been kind. And so I'll be thinking about kind memories of Norman, if that helps at all. And, uh, and you've shown me that you possess a kind of strength that even I don't have. You should have insulted him. I should. I should have been a dick. Get back here, you fucker! <laughs> and that's sort of. This, this is essentially. A Who's death. gonna put me to bed when I'm too drunk? Constitution check. <laughs> Ooh, make an insight check because even though even though your words were your words were insightful about how nineteen. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. A vast infinite distance, you can hear Dawnfire screaming out, said just bits and pieces that you're you're hearing. When nobody else came, you did. When nobody else would tend to me, you did. I would not live if you were not there. Uh-huh. Hey! Quiet. Dogfire! Morning star! <laughs> Enough! Dogs, I'm there. <laughs> Enough! <laughs> and you hear eating, saying, I will always remember how your hands felt when they bound mine, when my fingers were battered and bruised when I couldn't say anything, how you hurt me. Hey, you guys. Big red of all things. You hear Morningstar, her voice, say, Remember when we were kids? Remember when we played? Remember when you chased that stupid animal? When you turned into another stupid animal? You were so bad at snakes, Norman. <laughs> you were so bad at snakes. And you were so good to everybody else. I didn't understand why we cast you out, and I still don't understand what's happening here. But I do know, I don't care who you were, I don't care who you are, and I love you. Mm-hmm. Norman, as you hear the words of your allies 
speak. Dawnfire is not as strong as the other, other three. In these infinite memories within, you use them as handholds. As they continue, not just these words, as you continue to be emphatic and speak out to him and remember, remember this, remember all these times, remember these things. In 600 some years of memories, perhaps even going past that, what was the Corsolatar's previous life? Are you even tapping into those? It seems like you're on the brink of that. You begin to remember the things they're talking about. You remember your current duties, and you are nothing if not a man of duty. You remember the kindness that others have shown you, that you've shown others. And you remember a young elven girl who wanted nothing if not to just be your friend. And this would not be a good time to lose that. Roll a d20 and uh, consider it a wisdom saving throw. Okay. Oof, that is 19. Okay. okay. That's one. Roll again. Okay. Oh, that's only 13. One more time. 16. 19, 13, 16. Okay. As you to these threads and essentially pulling yourself through this cavalcade of memories and images you finally emerge into a lucid moment a sad one but what is life without a sadness you're there in the of the Katrave of Baal after five songs passing. As Moonseeker is gathering everyone and speaking, your friends there with you, Morningstar and Dawnfire there with you, others with you as well. And even in this moment of sadness, as you lament the passing of somebody that you don't know, didn't know that much, have an inkling that you may have known him in an older time. You smile. Because these are the people that you love and that love you. And this is where you deserve to be. As you're being ripped out, you reach out a hand and Annie's takes it first. And Earth's takes hers. And Morningstar takes his. Dawnfire takes hers. And with one almighty pull, you feel yourself lock back in to place. And almost like a protective shroud, a shell is being formed subconsciously. The memories fade. The chaos still there, still giving you a splitting ocular migraine right now. As you open your eyes again, you see those same faces around you right now. And you see Phelan Silris, Moonseeker, standing over you, the tears in her eyes. 
just like she was when you were dying, and just like she was when she brought you back into your new, very human, very real form. And that's what we'll I got break. My god. My god. My host. Oh, my host.